very eclectic music taste. Actually. So do I. Uh, so do I. Uh, yeah. I think it's the best way to be. One of the things I listen to a lot because I got obsessed with Yellowstone is uh, Yellowstone t- soundtracks, which means I've, I've uh, embraced a whole new, both kinds of music, country and Western. Oh um, I thought you were going to say like uh, Yellowstone sounds, like you'd be in Yellowstone Park, like just sounds of nature. Because no, <laughs> no. I'm into that sort of sound as well. <laughs> I use it at night when I'm trying to get to sleep. Uh, <laughs> and I will say that Pax Asadi and I, because we have lots and lots of arguments when we're filming, and so whenever we're not on camera, we're fighting, which drives our director nuts. Uh, and our director has for the last three shoots said that his lowest point was that time on Stewart Island when Pax and I had a two-day fight about who knew more about hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Nicola, I have to say that I love the TV show. We've been watching it in Aww. our house on a weekly basis. And, like, even when my sister-in-law comes over, we're like, have you seen the latest episode? <laughs> it's so good and so awesome that we can celebrate, like, nature, New Zealand nature on TV. I know that ratings are so important, so it's just I'm grateful that we can see TV like this. Yeah, and uh, ratings have been excellent, so oh, that's been also a bonus. Yeah, I had a look the other day, and we 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 were number three in July, and two and three were pretty much neck and necking, and of course number one is always country calendar, so, uh, so well, I'm ha- pretty chuffed with that. I'm so chuffed. So, oh, that's my other favourite TV show at the moment, Country Calendar. Um, yeah, everyone loves Country Calendar. I love Country Calendar. And um, other good news this week, apart from listeners watching you, your own TV show, is apparently there's a fresh batch of Critter T-shirts that's ava- that are, is available to buy. Have you seen the new design? I had a sneaky peek at the new design, and as always, it looks amazing. I, I get very excited because uh, I get to improve my wardrobe once again with a critter t-shirt and then I don't have to think about Christmas presents because everyone gets a critter t-shirt. They sell out though don't they? Like listeners should get onto it. Uh, They sell out real quick Mm. and then we get complaints for months afterwards about uh, why people can't buy them. So when they go up, I'm not sure if they're up yet or not, um, when they go up I'll make lots of noise about it and I, I say snooze you lose so get in quick. Yes, very much so. Um, and of course, every T-shirt that is sold, $5 from that sale, comes back to us. And then I think Jessie asks for nominations of where that amount of money goes to. And it's sort of like a for a conservation trust. Is that right, Nicola? Yeah, so um, every year people can write in and tell us what they would love the money for and what they'd like to spend it on. And we've had things like... Um, uh, we had a community that wanted to set up a trap library so that people who wanted to do trapping for a little while could come borrow some traps. We've had you know, people who wanted shovels to do their planting, and then we've had some quite extensive um, tree planting and trapping and weeding projects and all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, it's a, really, it's, a, it's a lovely feeling to be able to divvy money out to uh, well-deserving communities. Because often those groups in the communities that are doing work like you do they do it it's all volunteer isn't it yes and it's quite it's quite amazing to me I mean if I just think about forest and bird right which mm. is one um group I have a, you know a number of staff and we do work stuff and we're very lucky because we get paid to do that and then we have thousands and thousands and thousands of volunteers up and down the country I was actually um I've been in Wellington this week and I met with my Wellington branch 
uh, last night and it, it was full house of people and they do things like they run um, a penguin housing project basically in Wellington. They, they have a project called Places for Penguins. They work with Wellington City Council and a whole lot of other little lovely little nature reserves. They're very hardworking and we see that all over the country and that's just Forest and Bird. There are you know hundreds and hundreds of community groups beyond that doing amazing stuff and I think that's nice right because we get it's really hard for me not to get bummed out about what's going on with the environment worldwide and here uh, and what I see is just this wonderful flax roots kind of community from one end of the country to the other who want to do nice things. Yeah, and who have that fresh energy to yeah, think positive and do do hard work, do mahi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. You inspire me, Nicola. Um, but I think we need to talk about a critter because that's why we talk to you every week, even though Jessie's away. <laughs> I'm still into critters. Um, and this week's critter, it's nicknamed the world's best kept secret. I wa- Can you introduce this critter to us? Sure. So um, it is... Um, the cyclostome bryozoan. So I know that you're all going to be very excited about that. Um, <laughs> bryozoan. So <laughs> yeah, bryozoan. Um, I, I reckon it could become a trending baby name uh, in the future if we if we make enough noise about it. Bryozoan, so, um, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, bryozoan tookie. Um, so they are they're known as the world's best kept secret because you just don't know much about them, right? But they are also uh, one of the um, most um, representative species worldwide when it comes to um, fossils, for example. So they're kind of, you know, living life below the radar um, in plain sight. And if you're into art, I think you'd be into bryozoans, right? Because they um, that they, they they're this uh, scientific kind of name, if you like. So bryozoan comes from um, bryon for moss and zoon for animals. So they're like across, they're one of those weird uh, critters that is in fact somehow an almost cross between an animal and a plant or an animal masquerading as a plant, if you like. So um, they're also known as sea mats or lace corals because they they look like this this beautiful intricate uh, lace or netting um, and they kind of have more of a, a kind of um, a vibe of a plant than an animal. Um, yeah, they're very the beautiful. Talk- I, I, I looked, I googled imaged them and they look like, um, yeah, artists would love them because you could almost draw them and they'd look stunning on your wall if you painted them or something. Oh, 100%. In fact, one of my neighbours um, is an artist in, in fine arts and I feel like it's the kind of thing she would just love. Yes. Uh, so I might have to send her some bright pictures. <laughs> um, so we are, this week we're talking about the cyclostome bryozoan, so there's an even better name. Um, and uh, it's um, from the um, uh, Spirits Bay, which is where the bryozoan lives. So, so um, it, it's scientific nomenclature is Spiritipora, Spiritipora perplexa, which I imagine means something very confusing that lives near Spirits Bay. Um, and cyclostome is basically a biological term that just means um, round mouth, right? And if you have um, a look at bryozoans online, you'll get an understanding of what that means. Uh, so they are um, marine invertebrates, and there are, believe it or not, there are 6,500 species of these. And of, as usual, we, New Zealand is a global hotspot for bryozoan diversity. So we have a 1,000 species found here. 
Um, and many of those are only found here and belong here. Um, and uh, eight of our species actually live in fresh water, which oh. is quite interesting. Um, they, so what, what I was saying earlier is, you know, bryozoans are particularly famous to paleontologists because uh, even though they exist today, and we'll talk about the ones um, that are found up north, but they are some of the most abundant for fossils in the world. So if you think about um, Omaru limestone, mm. um, so limestone's made up of, you know, tiny animals and, and that have calcified and, you know, now we turn them into buildings. Um, Omaru limestone is about 70% bryozoan. Um, hey. Yeah, and limestone antiquity uh, for you North Islanders up there is somewhere between 50 and 80%. So um, it is quite amazing. Uh, and this particular species is um, one of 140 bryozoan species that were found living uh, at Spirits Bay, which is, of course, near Cape Ruyanga, mm. um, which is a very important part of New Zealand and important, as it turns out, for bryozoans as well. So they can live anywhere from rock pools, continental shelves, um, and down as far as uh, eight and a half kilometres in terms of the deep oceans and can and live across all the latitudes of the world. But to give you sort of a sense of, of what they are, because I, I encourage you all to... Um, Turn off the doom scrolling and go looking for bryozoans uh, in the picture that will go up on the RNZ page. But um, they they can be um, sort of flat, encrusting. They can be like bushy, um, or they can have hard kind of coral-like colonies. So some look like branches, other others look like mesh or netting. And they do get confused with coral, right? Because coral does mm. that too. Mm. Some of some coral looks like brains, and some looks like trees, and um, and and so both coral and bryozoans are colony animals. So they're actually made up of lots and lots and lots and lots of tiny, tiny, tiny individual animals called zooids. And the zooids, you can barely see with the naked eye, they're somewhere between one millimetre and three and a half millimetres long, I think, or it might be 0.3 and one and a half. Anyway, very tiny. Um, and they link up together and create these colonies. And, and they're, they're the ones that are secreting the calcifications that create the walls, which give you the nettings and the lacework and the lattice work that you see. But essentially, if you think about it as a living apartment building, you've got the right idea. So, you know, we're all individuals, but we're connected together in our in our bryozoan colony. Um, and uh, you know, they they the, each zooid has this incredible feeding mechanism, which is um, they have a, a a structure called a lophophore, which is they have a big round mouth not big for a tiny creature, uh, and then they have rings of hollow tentacles surrounding that moth. And if you think about the way that a jack-in-the-box works, with the you know, in terms of how fast the old jack-in-the-box kind of shoots out of a box, um, that's how quickly the tentacles can come out. Like, so they, they come out and then they retract really quickly. Oh, yeah. And, and they're even more technical than that because each tentacle, if you think about how tiny this must be, is covered in tiny little cilia, which are little um, waving little bits of, um, you know, bits of the animal, basically, little, um, not quite hairs, but, you know, and these create mini whirlpools. So the tentacle shoots out on the tentacle or cilia. They're creating these tiny sort of incredible whirlpool forces which suck in the creatures that they want to eat and the bits of... Uh, kind of detritus that are in the ocean that they want to kind of yank into their um, very unsophisticated gut, which I think is great. If I think about the week I've had, I started this week in, in the Catlins. I'm now in Wellington. I'm heading to Auckland uh, later this afternoon. 
uh, getting a chance to eat is really, really hard yeah. when you're running between, you know, the beehive and back to the office and whatnot. And the idea that you could have tentacles that shoot out and just, you know, yank food in from your surroundings <laughs> would be really helpful. Such a, a smoothie one arm, sushi the other. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'd yeah. love it. I'd love it. So, uh, Nicola, are they endangered? Are they, is there, are we worried about them? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we are worried about them, and we're worried about them um, from things that might not seem so obvious. So, um, Bryozoans obviously are living on the seafloor. We're not very kind to our seafloor. So, mm. for example, we had that great announcement last week about the Hauraki Gulf, some protection, you know, some quite yes. strong and, and important protection in the Hauraki Gulf. But we're still going to allow bottom trawling, right? And so, um, that's not good for things that live on the bottom. Just a little hint. So, things like scallop dredging, purse seining, um, Things that are kind of stuffing up um, where they live uh, are essentially rendering them locally extinct. So they're actually classified as nationally vulnerable. And to give you an idea, um, we think that bryozoans were probably crucial in the habitat of for oysters in Fovo Strait. But um, so much dredging over so many years has kind of wrecked the joint. It, it's kind of like, it's essentially like bull in a china shop, right? Because if you think about these things as beautiful calcified, delicate. you know, living apartment buildings, yeah. very delicate. And then you're just sort of dragging stuff along the bottom and smashing it. Um, quite difficult to rebuild. And they can be quite long lived. So um, they can live sort of, most of them live sort of 10 to 20 years, but some can live for 50 years. Um, oh, so their so house of 20 years just gets knocked down by these big ships yeah. fishing. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Uh, Nicola Toki, thank you so much. Wonderful to speak to you every Friday, and um, hopefully Jessie will be back next week to chat. Lovely to talk to you too, Charlotte. Thanks for having me.